welcome to Credits Due, the podcast where we break down an actor's filmography one movie at a time. I am Ben Cron, and joining me today is Tyler Owen. Showtime can lick my dingus. And Neil Potter. <laughs> I was going to say another thing about Showtime, about how it's got us by the balls. <laughs> and it can also lick my dingus. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes, um, we, we all have some beef with Showtime. Probably some undeserved beef, but nevertheless. Um, because uh, today we are on... Part 13 on our series on Julianne Moore. And we'll be talking about the apparently uh, Showtime streaming exclusive movie, A Single Man. Um, A Single Man came out in 2009. Uh, It is directed by first-time director Tom Ford. It It stars Colin Firth, Julianne Moore, and Matthew Good. It is about a... English professor, one year after the sudden death of his boyfriend, is unable to cope with tip- with his typical days in 1960s Los Angeles. Uh, as always, we will start off with some film trivia about the movie, then we'll dive into our full spoilerful discussion on A Single Man, and then we'll end with some final thoughts on Julianne Moore. Um, and then, of course, we'll leave you guys with some recommendations. So, Tyler, do you want to start us off with some film trivia? I sure do. I always put together four little pieces of trivia about our movie, and one of them I make up completely. So I will have you guys try to guess which one it is. Number one, the film was shot in 21 days. Number two. When he won a BAFTA for Best Actor, Colin Firth's list of people he thanked included the man who repaired his refrigerator. Number three. (laughs) Of the four top-billed actors, Colin Firth is the only one who shares a nationality with the character he plays. Number four. Colin Firth found the drunken dancing sequence with Julianne Moore to be extremely (laughs) awkward due to the lack of actual music playing while recording. Moore convinced director Tom Ford to restrain from calling cut for an unusually long take as a prank on Firth. Mm -hmm. All right, who would like to go first and guess which one is the fake? I heard Ben wanted to go first. (laughs) Wow, let us us hear it, Ben. Um, Man, I'm going to go with... Uh, (laughs) I'm going to go with the last one is the fake. All right. I kind of hope that it's real. (laughs) (laughs) Neil? Uh, I'm going to go with the first one and that it was probably filmed in less days. (laughs) All right. Yeah. (laughs) Well, uh, Ben, you're actually right. I I made that one up. So... Yeah, no, I don't think... Uh, I think Colin Firth is a consummate professional, and he would have no problem dancing without music. Um, mm. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> so, he uh, did... He won the BAFTA for Best Actor, and he thanked his refrigerator repairman uh, <laughs> because, apparently, he was typing out a uh, uh, a rejection of the, the role via email, and he was going to turn it down. And then the oh. repairman appear, uh, came to his door and gave him time to reconsider, and he decided to take the part after all. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, okay. 
So if he was doing laundry at the time and his like dryer buzzed, he would, he would faked his dryer. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> not, it's not like the at least as far as I could tell. I don't think his uh, repairman like gave him advice on the roll or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, That's so yeah. funny. And then uh, Colin Firth was the only one who shared a nationality with the character he, he played in the, of the top four uh, build actors. The yeah. the other ones being uh, Julianne Moore, who plays a British woman. His sister, or is it his sister? No, former no. lover. For, that's right, former lover. Yeah, friend. Yes, and then Nicholas Holt and Matthew Good, who played uh, Americans, but they are British. Oh, okay, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, that really um, that really uh, stumped me because I. Uh, I thought that Julia Moore was American, or I thought her character, Charlie, was American, um, because I don't think her accent's very good in this movie. It's very it's subdue, pr- I think, so it's yeah. every now and it's, then it comes out. Yeah, it's, it's kind quite- of a mix of that, like, late uh, 30s and early 40s, like, American accent plus mm. British, I don't know, that, like, transatlantic kind of thing. Um, right. Yeah, so that it's a little sense. off. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, and then also the the note about it being filmed in 21 days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that was, uh, I think I knew that, because, um, I mean, it's kind of, a lot of these smaller movies... Um, I know this, I don't know if this was like self-financed or what, I know it was released by the Weinstein company, but yeah, the a director lot of those did self-finance, uh, he, he yeah. financed the film himself. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Seems like it, <laughs> but a lot of those are just like, they just burn through, uh, you know, their like dailies every day. Cause, um, you know, they probably had a month to shoot this and then it's like, oh, once they go into the second month, they're just out of money. Yeah. Um, I think that's pretty common. So, uh, all right, let's, let's get into this guys. And I'll just say, uh, I'll just ask what, what did you guys think overall of, of this movie? Uh, I'll, I'll take that first right up top. Uh, the first scene and then a few scattered throughout it. It's, it's pretty artsy. It's uh, artsy fartsy, as I like to call it. <laughs> um, so I wa- I wasn't sure like to like the first within the first thirty seconds. I was like, oh god, this is going to be pretentious. <laughs> and the I would say it doesn't do that for very long. There are a few things where it's like um, it's more of a. I don't know. It's more of an art house thing than you would find in a in a bigger budget motion picture kind of a thing. But like, uh, it it actually won me over by like mid second act kind of a thing where you could really now start to pick up story beats and things like that. Um, so it actually wasn't as artsy as like the beginning would lead you to believe. It still kind of is in spots, but uh, overall, I I did enjoy it though. Um, it it had some it had some good good acting in it and i actually like a lot of the the actors that i are in this movie anyway and i none of them really dis, did disappoint so yeah i i really did end up 
walking away enjoying this movie. There, it certainly has some lulls in there where you're just kind of wondering, all right, where is this going? What what am I supposed to take away from this? But it certainly um, it certainly has some really affecting moments throughout, and I I think deservedly uh, Colin Firth winning the BAFTA for Best Actor, and I'm sure he picked up a few other smaller awards too. He didn't win. Uh, an Oscar for this, did he? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd still really uh, enjoyed his nominated. performance. He okay, was nominated, that's right. That's though, right. For an Oscar. Yeah, it it really is a powerful uh, portrait of this one moment in a man's life, and I I think one of the things I um I appreciated most about it from the start is that it felt like all of the relationship stuff. Um, and especially like the flashback moments with him and his partner were all really well done in like a this isn't about him being gay kind of way. It was just mm-hmm. it was just like you could just replace his male partner with a woman and nothing about the scenes would have had to have changed because it wasn't about being gay. It wasn't a story about him like learning he was gay or you know having his first gay relationship or anything like that it was just falling in love with someone and that was like really refreshing um i feel like so many it, it's it's similar to like when you have uh a, films that are starring a largely african-american cast where they end up being about slavery or about injustice mm. or something like that it's not just about being black people right like or just a normal experience for a black person it's something you know some struggle they have to go through and that's similar with a lot of films about homosexuals you know so Mm -hmm. uh, and then the only part where i felt like that kind of strayed from that a little bit is when it got a little on the nose when he was teaching his college class and really directly (laughs) referencing you know the being a minority and i was like i really didn't feel like the movie needed that scene um Mm -hmm. but other than that i thought the the relationship stuff and just the build-up and you understood the grief that he's experiencing in this movie having lost the person he loves Mm-hmm. Yeah, that um, <clears throat> that scene when he's he's talking about fear, and he says like invisible minorities, like mm-hmm. you know the minority. He's obviously talking about homosexual uh, homosexuality as like an invisible minority because it's like easily hidden. And then there's like three reaction shots of yeah. three uh, gay people in the class. Yeah. It's like, all right. <laughs> A little on yeah. those there. But yeah, other than that, I, I really appreciated the, the treatment of him and his relationship with his partner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it could have been, it could have been very easy you know, having a movie set in the '60s, it could have been very easy to um, to make it about how like he's mourning the loss of his lover, who like he can't, you know, he couldn't marry, and like society kind of looks down yeah. on their relationship. And there's a few moments when, like, when the neighbor girl like kind of says that she says that. Um, his dad like kind of hates him and it's like you kind of take that it's uh it's because like he's gay and then like he's like unwelcome to uh 
his boyfriend's funeral. Um, so there's kind of like they do touch on it sometimes, but mm-hmm. it's very like minor. Like it's obviously the movie is more about how he's contemplating suicide, and yeah, it's like the last mm. day when he the last day of his life basically right well i mean contrast that with the far from heaven right where uh her husband's character like it's entirely about like both about him being gay and this that struggle and then also doing a piss poor job of like portraying him and making him a villain so it's like this is a breath of fresh air compared to that Mm -hmm. (laughs) oh very much so (laughs) Uh, um and it kind of on the the subject of like the timeline so this takes place during like the cuban missile crisis in the 60s and given what the the scenes that we were given there i don't think there is much that it really needed to be in the 60s because like i still feel like you could have done this exact same thing you know like today and you'd still have the same issues mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like, oh, it's the 60s. We need to be more hush hush about this kind of stuff. I was I feel like that's also still the case today for a lot of people. So I wonder what the style is, if it's just a style choice to have it in the 60s or if it's just that it's just what the director wanted to do kind of thing or if it had a bigger picture meaning to it. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's definitely it definitely takes place um i feel like this 60 that year is like a good backdrop to this cuz he's like you spend so much time with like the personal weights that is in this guy's life of losing a loved one and then like how the contrast of that of how there's so much tension in the world like around him uh, right. I think it's pretty interesting. Like they don't mm-hmm. really touch on that a lot, um, except like that one scene with um, uh, what's his name? I know who you're the, talking uh, about. And I can't Rowan think of his guy. name there. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm trying to I know it's the actor's Lee Pace. There you go. Lee no. Pace. Yeah. 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 Thank you. Yeah, that like one scene with Lee Pace when he's like. Lee Pace is like, we're all going to blow up. They're going to nuke us all. And, he's, <laughs> and <laughs> Colin Firth is just like, he's just like, almost like, fuck it. What if we deserve it? <laughs> <laughs> well, he's also very distracted by those men playing tennis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> very much so. Yeah. Uh, and it, yeah. Uh, and it and it really lets you know he's distracted by the <laughs> so yeah, it almost like alternates shot. So it's like every shot of Lee Pace is partnered with a shot of just a shirtless dude. Yeah, a shirtless I, part muscular of me, dude. Part of me during that scene, I was like, "You're distracted by those dudes playing tennis when Lee Pace is in front of you." Man, I'm not gay. I have a crush on him. <laughs> I know. <right? laughs> He was, did you as, see- he was not as sexy in this movie as he is in most other movies. I suppose that's true. This it, was a little before yeah, he kind of started true. breaking out. Mm. Yeah, that's true. Nicholas Holt's <laughs> eyes, though. I was getting lost in them. <laughs> Do you think... Are his eyes that way? I'm sure he has contacts. No, those were definitely CGI eyes in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I, I mean... Is, are his eyes even blue? Like, I mean, they, f- like, fucking glow like Infinity Stones. <laughs> <laughs> that, his eyes look blue in these uh, other shots I'm looking at, so... 
it's crazy. Yeah. Um, um, one thing I did notice about, uh, so I was not as um, taken by this movie as you guys were. Um, they're all there are moments that I truly loved in this movie, and I think overall I'm uh, overall I'm more positive on it. Um, but uh, basically, like everything outside of. Um, Julianne Moore's like little vignette was I was just kind of I was kind of having trouble like grasping onto it um but one thing that I loved about the movie even though it kind of felt weird at times is the cinematography (laughs) and there all there are moments when this movie felt like it was just a perfume ad (laughs) Uh, yeah. Most yeah. notably, there's a random flashback that's just black and white. Of, uh, <laughs> oh yeah, that Dolce and Gabbana ad that like shows up in the middle, like first half of it. Yeah, they're sitting yeah. like drinking wine on like a giant rock that's like by the beach, um, and they're just like both laying down on it, <laughs> and it's just, it's just like, it's just like. Like it, this is like Tom Ford. It's his first direct. It's his first movie, and he's from like the fashion world. So I'm, I'm not surprised that he like, he just has a, like cinema language that is based off of fashion commercials. Mm-hmm. But also, it's just like, it's just like this is weird and it doesn't work. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'll, in a also, slight defense of that sequence, I feel like the connective tissue to the flashback was the black and white photo that he looks at that spurs on the memory. So oh, I, I think yeah. that's what they were going for. I'm not going to say it was entirely successful, but that that's yeah. the, that's the connection I believe. I don't, so I don't think it was in completely random that it was black sure. and white. Sure, I guess I I didn't catch that. Yeah, but, um, I don't know if that's I don't know if that makes it better. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but otherwise, I think the cinematography overall is pretty incredible in this movie. Yeah. Um, and the the cinematographer of this movie, I looked at his credits, and he didn't have a lot. Um, I think this was like his first or second, like, um like feature film um but then he's done a lot more uh after that but it wasn't like i didn't catch anything notable but so i'm, I'm gonna say this and it's gonna sound like i'm degra- being degrading but how what did you guys feel about the like interspersed instagram filter moments <laughs> that was another thing that i i was just <laughs> about to uh bring bring that up uh, I thought it was weird, um, though. It's this movie when he's contemplating suicide, or like when it's just a doll, like when it's in the, uh, um, like when he's teaching or when he's doing something mundane. Uh, it's like very like washed out, like a lot of like blues and like doll tones. Um, but then like when he like feels emotion it brings up these very bright warm colors and it is very instagram filter yeah and yeah um that mostly was like 
kept the present day with the past separate, I thought, mm. um, which I thought was kind of a nice touch. I mean, I think they overdid the saturation when they went in the past, in my opinion. But yeah. like, um, I felt like it was a nice thing. Like if you were in in the mind of Colin Firth's character that like the past was a brighter, better time than his present. Like, I kind of like that kind of element to it but i will say that it was a bit over overdone well I, and i was more talking about the like the very short moments when like for example when he um smells the tennis the, players yeah the tennis players or oh, he sure, smells sure. the uh perfume of the secretary um <laughs> yes. right and, and it, like zooms in on her lips and, and it like, gets yeah. very bright smile. just for a few moments and like i actually really i kind of liked it i it, it's not something that i've seen a lot of directors use in mm-hmm. quite the same way where it just like and it was actually pretty subtle how like it slowly transitioned to that and mm-hmm. and my wife actually turned at one point and she's like is the movie changing colors? And I was like, yeah, it is. And I mean, I noticed it a little bit quicker than she did, but I think that that sensibility was there where it just kind of, I don't know, it, it gave you a different feeling in the same way that how like a composer uses music to change the feeling of a scene. Like the grayness of his life was lifted away for just a moment. And he was maybe reconsidering whether or not he was going to kill himself. Yeah. Um, like I, that's the sense that I got every time it did that. It was like this is a moment where he it could be a turning point where he decides not to kill himself, but this particular moment what moment wasn't didn't add up to enough for him to change his mind and he moves on. And mm-hmm. I thought that was actually really interesting. Or, or maybe it was just him saying like, okay, I'm saying goodbye to these things that I've enjoyed and you know throughout my life. Um, I don't know. I it was really like a melancholy thing right like this he's acknowledging something that's very beautiful or that he loves but then it like instantly turns sad because you realize the reason he's thinking that is because he might never see it or experience it again and it was Mm -hmm. just like ugh, that that's a really weird mixed feeling that i don't even know if there's a word for that right (laughs) yeah and at the end of the movie when he decides not to kill himself and he says He's like he has one last flashback to his relationship, and he's like, "These are the moments that make it worth living." Mm-hmm. Like all these moments. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think you're right that it is like he is like breaking out of depression for like a, even if it's just a split second. Mm-hmm. Because it, in my notes, when I first noticed it. I wrote down the colors are changing when he gets horny because <laughs> most of the time like it happens when he he like sees flowers outside of Julia Moore's house yeah and flowers he, make he, like, me horny them. dude oh. yeah that's true yeah <laughs> I mean they're they like spread their pollen like everywhere. <laughs> Just, <laughs> um, but yeah, but like most of the times it's like, yeah, when he sees those tennis players and then like he sees his, uh, his secretary and like zooms in on her face and I'm just like, I, I'm like, is he just getting horny or something? Like what the <laughs> hell is happening? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, 
I, your take on that, Tyler, is really interesting. I actually like those ways that it either could be something just on the brink to bring him back or something he's going to end up missing. Uh, and then uh, kind of the other ones that kind of pop up intermittently are like the ones of him just nude swimming, yeah. like Colin first character. That one... <laughs> I didn't really find much of a correlation to, but like, I mean, was that just I, supposed to be like the inverse, where it's like a moment of like where he feels like his depression is drowning him? I, I that was definitely the, a, a little bit further in the artsy fartsy side, you know, I, where I was like, uh, I'm right. not sure these sequences are working in the otherwise pretty well grounded movie you've got going here. Right? Yeah, I think so because he's like. It's several times in the movie, it just cuts to him, like, I mean, he's drowning, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's, um, yeah, that was, that was weird. (laughs) But then, then later in the film, like, there's a moment where he's skinny dipping in the ocean um, Mm -hmm. with Nicholas Holt's character, and he almost does drown. And so I'm like, okay, so now that's like a literal thing. I so I couldn't quite figure out. I, I guess it's like both metaphoric and literal. Like, okay, he almost literally drowns and manages to come out. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's just one of those things where it's like, eh, I could take it or leave it. It was there. It didn't really bother me. But yeah, didn't. I don't think it really mm-hmm. added a whole lot to the film either. Yeah. yeah. Same. Same. Um, let's talk about Julianne Moore. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, when he finally, so like most of the movie is him like setting up like a dinner arrangement with her. Like they're going to uh, have dinner and just kind of like hang out and drink. And when um, when he finally goes over to her place and they have this like very short, like just very short, like. Um, a few scenes together that was I think when this movie really shined and the main reason is because I think Julian Moore is incredible and her and Colin Firth have this like magnetic chemistry together that was just so like it really felt like they were like friends for like long term friends Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and it was it was great. I just, I loved it. Yeah, there was a lot more depth to their uh, interaction that was not being said. You know, it, it, like mm. you said, they they had felt like they had a lot of history between them, but not just history, but like that uh, way of speaking to each other that you uh, you kind of picked up between the sentences, little things about what they maybe were like when they were together. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I wonder how uh, how well they know each other in real life because sometimes you you just can't tell if it's just because it's like a professional uh, like familiarity or if they're just that good of at acting and pretending like they're good friends, you know. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> yeah I'd maybe. have to agree that that sequence was really. Uh, I'm glad they gave it a lot of time on, in the full runtime too, because that was like a pretty critical moment for him. Um, mm-hmm, right. Eventually, um, confronting her comments about how like his uh, his dead partner, like that wasn't a real relationship, and that was like, oof, that was really <laughs> oh, painful yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah, that was rough. Uh, and 
but you know it's it was rough for her to say but like it was also coming from her point of view which i actually like that they added that depth that yeah they were together briefly he didn't see it as like a serious relationship but from that at that point you realize that that's more or less what she wanted rather than this guy she met in the interim while he was with uh matthew good's character or whatever Mm -hmm. so i i thought that was a very interesting and deep thing and though they're acting in that bringing it back to that was uh incredible because her her wanting that back was like she portrayed that very well and it was like almost still sad to see him just be like nah this this isn't the way anymore like yeah. this isn't what I felt this is haven't isn't what I felt but this is it, it was just a good difference in opinions from their both their perspectives that was really very well portrayed yeah yeah it was like an unresolved romance from her but on his yeah. side it was like he like Late, like after they split, like he found out that he was gay, and he like completely moved on. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I felt it like was, it, it was really good that at no point during that whole sequence did I ever think that he would get back together with her because it was such a such a key component of his character in this movie. Like he's con- he's planning suicide because his partner died. Like it it would have felt really strange if I had any inkling of a thought that he might consider getting back together with her. And I, I felt like that was really well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Agreed. And yeah, when she said, when, when she was like, is she called like Matthew Good's character, like a placeholder, mm-hmm. right? Which is mm-hmm. like, fuck. What yeah. A, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what a like harsh thing to say. Right. And it's also kind of like, it's kind of depressing if that's like what she thought. Like she was like, oh, like this is a phase and she's going to, or he's going to come back to me. Right. That's, uh, that's a tough look. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So <laughs> I, I would like to talk about um, his kind of redemption here at the end. I don't know if there's much before this that we'd want to talk about, but if we want to move on to Nicholas Holt's character and how that relationship develops. Um, uh, yeah. I don't have much else to say because he he meets a he meets a dude at the convenience store and i i kind of got nothing out of that entire scene um and then and then is that it then there's a few flash there's a flashback to him meeting matthew good they're like meet cute Mm -hmm. and that was that was fine I think mm-hmm. Matthew Good was really good in this movie. Yeah, no, I agree. Agreed. Yeah, the, just that little moment when they're like reading books opposite each other on that couch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. I was like, yeah, that, that was... is so perfectly representative of a real relationship. Like so <laughs> oh, many yeah. movies like this, they the flashbacks that they pick to do to like demonstrate how much people love each other are always like the most important days of their lives, like their wedding or like some crazy vacation, romantic vacation they went on. I'm like, no, Mm. this is like the moments that you show how much you love each other are sometimes in the moments where you're just like almost not even interacting directly, but it's just like unspoken between you. And Mm -hmm. there are so many Mm -hmm. nights where like my wife and I are just doing completely different things in separate rooms, but like, 
we just knowing the other person is there doing their thing while you're doing your thing. I don't know. It's weird, but I love that. And so that was really cool to see right. that as like a featured sequence between the two characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, then- it, and it's, it's, it's like the biggest like romantic point that you see really from them other than that black and white thing on the beach or whatever. Yeah. But like that, that really like nailed it down like oh man like these guys loved each other like that's that it was very well portrayed and and it even quickly demonstrated how they have like very different interests but still love each other and like rib each other for that you know like how he asked him what book he was reading and uh, he was reading breakfast at tiffany's uh his partner was reading breakfast at tiffany's and he's like scoffs at him yeah yeah (laughs) because he's like an english professor or something and so yeah that like that was really great I, I love that scene. Yeah, he was reading a book. What was, what was the book? He he was like reading a book about like communism or something. <laughs> yeah. <wasn't> it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's also that scene is like ultimate relationship goals. You know, like yeah. all I want is <laughs> right. someone that I can tell a story about how I saw the neighbor kid get pissed on by his dog yes. and we can both just laugh about it yeah. <laughs> oh my god I'm glad you brought that up because there's the scene where he runs into that kid later in the movie when he's leaving for Julian Moore's house and he envisions himself pissing on yeah. this yeah, okay. is that it yeah is yeah. that it <laughs> Yeah. I was like, whoa, like that went like 180 on me, like for that split second. And then he threatens to murder that kid. Like, <laughs> that was a that was a dark scene. I had yeah. to rewatch that scene twice because I wasn't sure if he was like trying to imagine the dog pissing on him on the kid or. But no, no. Like, the, the angle that was coming from was way too high for a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and then, like the kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even a greyhound is not that tall. Um, and then the score is like the kid is like screaming, uh, like in like in sync with the score, and that just makes it more like fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> It's that's a that was a disturbing scene. It was strange. Probably should have cut that out. <laughs> um, uh, I have one one quick interjection before we get to whatever you're getting to, Ben. Uh, but another kind of like I I almost want to call it disturbing, <laughs> but like the scene where he's contemplating how to kill himself. Yes. Like I found that. Like, just, I don't know, maybe too much. I don't know what you guys felt, but, like, I thought, like, maybe it was trying to come off as, like, black comedy thing or something. But, like, I found it very awkward. But, yeah. like, maybe that's well, what they were also going the shower, for. when he gets in the shower, when he gets in the shower and then, like, falls. Yeah. He, like, does a, like practice fall yeah <laughs> that was yeah. i i that was the one that i was like oh is this a joke but yeah was, i think it it was, it was disturbing but i agree it was i did find it funny but in a way that i was like um i don't know if this is the the same movie right like <laughs> it, yeah. like right, it would have right. been funny if the rest of the movie had a similar tone to it but it definitely didn't um, no. So yeah, yeah, I I I thought that it was well done, but um, yeah, maybe 
maybe just the tone of it was a little <laughs> off. And I think part of that that is because maybe just because of the bias I have with Colin Firth as an actor too, because he does a lot of comedic roles, and so mm-hmm. you can you maybe that comes off as funnier than it otherwise would since he's the one doing it. I don't know. I did like when he returned to the bed with a sleeping bag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that and was he good. got in it and yeah. And um, then the phone starts ringing and he's like, oh, geez, come on. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Um, all right, Tyler, back, back to you. You wanted to talk about the end of the f- film? Yeah. So uh, this Kenny, I think is the guy's name, uh, Nicholas Holt's character that he meets a student in his class. And they um, it's really just like the reason why he decides not to kill himself is that he thinks like, oh, OK, maybe maybe I won't like fall in love with this person. But this person is showing me that someone else actually cares about me and not just because they want something from me, which I think is contrasting with Julianne Moore's character, right? Like, yeah, Julianne Moore's character is demonstrating that she loves him, but in a way that she wants something from the transaction. Like, she needs him more than he needs her. And mm-hmm. with Kenny, it's the opposite, right? Like, Kenny's approach to, I don't know, I guess, uh, wooing him in a way is to just, like, have it be all about him and he just wants to know more about mm-hmm. him and like make sure he's okay and yeah. it's and just he bandages up his scar that he gets from yeah. uh, the beach mm-hmm. yeah so it just i it was just very sweet and um i'm going to make i'm going to have like a really introspective moment here and maybe oh. maybe share something that would uh, people will think is a little offensive at first but just stick with me here Okay, so I come from I come from a really conservative Republican household, and growing up, like I was never exposed to this kind of media. Right, I would have never watched a movie or television show that like was flattering towards gay people or homosexuality, and I had like a. I think a lot of people when they're young and especially our generation and older, they like there was a lot of like joking and like calling people gay as a slur. And like it kind of built a sense of uh, it it internalized a sense of like disgust associated with it. And I I admit that like 100 percent that when I was a kid, I had like a a uh, disgust reaction to seeing like two men kiss right and I honestly feel like in watching this movie this was one of the first times where I like didn't have even like a hint of that feeling in watching it and it felt mm. I, I don't know if that's a credit to the filmmakers and actors or if it's just a representation of like Personally, I don't want to like say like, "Oh, I'm so great because I'm I'm no longer disgusted by homosexuals." But like, yeah, you're woke it, now. I know, right? I mean, that sounds really <laughs> self-serving, but it just, I, it was, 
it was a different viewing experience, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Like this, I, for the first time, I was like just appreciating a romance between two men without like any other thoughts entering my mind. And it was really, I'd never, I've never really seen anything like that before now where I didn't have any of those reactions. And I, I will give some credit to the way I think that the film is done. Like I said, so much of their the character development around the main character is not based on his homosexuality. And you could, in the same way that you could replace his, um, his dead partner, I feel like you could do the same with uh, Nicholas Holt's character here at the end. Mm-hmm. Like, the, it's not about them being gay, and it's just a really sweet and touching sequence of events so i i don't know i really i really liked the note that this movie ended on like pretty much up until like the final scene <laughs> yeah yeah i think uh, this is also i think this depicts this movie depicts sexuality in like a very caring way yeah like it's um it's not like blue is the warm, warmest color that features like extended graphic lesbian sex scenes. Yeah, it's not about you know? lust, you know? It's, there's yeah. very little of right. that here at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's all, I'm, I mean, there's almost none. Like, even the this ending scene with Nicholas Holt that, like, um, I mean, do they ever, is it implied that they have sex at all? I don't, um, I don't know. See, I, that's the thing. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't yeah, think so. I didn't, I didn't personally think that, but, like, it at that at, at that stage it didn't matter to me whether they did or not right, i guess yeah, yeah correct yeah. well and even some of this stuff that um is more overtly sexual like the photograph he has of his dead partner who's nude on the beach like that's not portrayed in a way of like him like sexualizing his partner it's more of just like I miss this person so much and I love this picture of them, but not because they're naked. Right. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I, and then the, uh, when they, that picture was also in his bank vault, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Which that was, <laughs> oh, that's see, that's like the, the world building that they don't have to like tell you. It's like, Oh mm-hmm. shit. Yeah. He's got that in his bank vault because if people saw it, he could be like, you know, lynched or something like, Oh yeah. That, yeah. that was, that's more powerful, I think in a, a film like this, but mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. And I also, I think that's, this is a far more mature movie than I think a lot of other movies that try to depict homosexuality. Cause, mm-hmm. um, uh, Tom Ford, uh, is gay. Um, I only know that because he's married to a dude, mm-hmm. so I'm gonna assume. <laughs> but like, like you know, blue is the warmest color. Like that was directed by a straight man, mm-hmm. and you know, I don't know. I'm gonna assume it was also written by a heterosexual person. Um, I'm not sure though. Apologies, but yeah, I think that you know you can tell. I think you can tell that when that kind of relationship is depicted in a more mature way, yeah. when it's, when it is, you know, literally depicted by someone who, uh, has had that, you know, who has had that t- 
type of relationship. 100%. Yeah. I mean, you get that sense from it. It feels more real. It feels more relatable. Like that, Mm. that's part of why I, I felt so comfortable in watching it. It's like, oh yeah, this is like what it feels like to fall in love with someone. And I get it. Mm -hmm. I I don't, Mm -hmm. it, the, the fact that it's two men has no bearing on it whatsoever. I'm, I'm kind of reminded of, uh, the recently, um, the there was a Liam Neeson movie where his wife is played by um oh, gosh do you know what I'm talking about are you talking about widows yes yes um, um did we reference this already on the podcast maybe but like um yeah well I think I um I think I recommend it was one of my recommendations that's right yeah but his wife is Viola Davis. Viola Davis, that's right. And somebody asked her in like an interview why she took the part in like a bad and they were implying it was like a bad movie. And she's like, I took the part because it was written in a way where I am married to a white man and that had no bearing on the plot. And yeah. I was like, oh mm-hmm. shit, yeah. Like those are the and there's nothing wrong with having a movie where it's like about the thing that is um you know like a, a minority or a repressed group or whatever there's nothing wrong with mm-hmm. movies like that but when so many times you go to uh these minorities and you ask them like they just want to be represented in a way where that's not being called out right mm-hmm. and so that <laughs> right. that i i just kept coming back to that while watching this movie and how uh how well done how well done that was so mm-hmm. i agree Yes. And then, of course, the final shot of the movie, when he says in a very Twilight Zone moment, he says <laughs> he says uh, he's looking back at all the moments that he's experienced through his life and in the movie. And he says, uh, this is what it's worth living. I'm not going to kill myself. Oh, no, I'm having a heart attack. <laughs> what a world. What a world. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the irony. Yeah. And yeah, then he dies and then he sees Matthew Good standing over and he's welcomed into the afterlife. Um, do, do you guys throw up at that moment like I did? <laughs> uh, I uh, was kind of just I was kind of dumbfounded by it. I was just like, really? Like, that's it, huh? Like, and they referenced this heart thing, quote unquote, like earlier in the movie, and he claims it wasn't a heart attack. Yeah, uh, only once, and it, it, I don't know, like, it just felt off, I guess, but if you're looking to wrap this up in a good old bow, (laughs) why not let him die of some weird natural cause? Yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't think it needed to. It could have just been a happy ending too i don't know yeah who knows (laughs) i'm so torn because like i get what they're going for and i think that the sentiment of that moment is not hollow like there uh, there's something to be said for acknowledging that yeah we all could just die at any minute right like that's a reality Mm. it's not like it's kind of a stranger than fiction moment but it's true right like he any one of us could just die and the fact that he was able to be at peace and not uh, take his own life is meaningful and 
I, I'm trying to envision like what the other possible ways this movie could end, and I feel like you, there's a way that you could criticize all of them equally. Like, if he just came became at peace with it and moved on with his life and didn't kill himself, you'd be like, oh come on, this is it's too good of an ending. Like, for what the movie was setting up, like it's it's just feels too happy or like if he did follow through with killing himself he'd be like oh it's too dark and dreary or if he like if it was like it ended on a cliffhanger and you didn't know when you'd be like oh this is too artsy it just like i feel like you could criticize it in any possible number of ways but i it really did feel like this particular way that it ended kind of blindsided you um Mm -hmm. and i think that's why it felt so wrong. Uh, I'd, I'm not going to say I puked, but I definitely was just like, oh man, did they just ruin it? Like, did I, did I spend all this time getting invested in this movie just to have the ending feel like I, like it smacked me in the face? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's, it's not because I, th- I think I, I didn't like the ending, not because he, um, he had a heart attack, but because it it came after he almost drowned in the ocean mm-hmm. and then like literally it came moments after him like a voiceover of him saying like he's like I'm not him deciding he's not going to kill himself yeah and that was just like okay movie yep. like yep. <laughs> whatever you know if it would have i mean it came after this heart attack came after a night of excessive drinking and smoking and I feel like if they would have like maybe teased it more um, if it had just better setup than just that one moment of him grabbing his chest like then I think it would have maybe been different or but, I, like you're saying if he if he had like come to terms with his situation and accepted that he did find life worth living prior to the swimming sequence and then he actually died from yeah. drowning in that scene maybe that would have worked better because I, yeah I, there's just it, so yeah it more came down to the execution more than the premise that bothered me mm-hmm. I think yeah yeah me too yeah that's a good uh, way to do so it. I'm going to spoil the ending of Guave Island the new Ch- Childish Gambino movie alright 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 all right. so this is a movie um, it's on Amazon Prime right now. It just premiered at Coachella um, just like a couple weeks ago. And it's a movie about Donald Glover. Uh, it stars Donald Glover and Rihanna. And it's about Donald Glover setting up a like concert on this island called Guave Island. And he works two jobs at a radio station and at like this um, kind of factory thing. And it's this very like lighthearted um, movie, you know, just about like the troubles of him, like set like trying to set up this concert in this like very poor, like area of the world. And it features a bunch of Charles Gambino songs and, um, so it is a musical. Think of it as Purple Rain um, or like, you know, a Michael Jackson, like one of those extended music videos. 
but mm-hmm. there is a subplot and it is like the tiniest like subplot in this movie it maybe is only featured in two scenes of the owner of the factory who is forcing the employees to work over the weekend and so he's like everyone's calling and going to call in sick to go to your concert you have to shut the concert down and blah 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 right so then the concert happens you know this plot this threat is like just thrown to the side it's forgotten about immediately and during the concert uh he someone shows up and shoots Don Glover and then there's a funeral and the movie ends and it's like one of those moments I feel like a lot of indie movies that can't you know they can't afford another 20 minutes to their movie they just kind of like it's just like boom here's here's the threat of the movie and like that's it and it was very like it's one of those moments that it's like, oh, this could have been good in this movie, but it's also like when it happens, you're like, wait, this is what you were doing this whole time? Like, this is what you were building up to? And it just doesn't work. And it just it just puts a bad taste in my mouth when, you know, when movies do do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just I mean, come on. We like jokingly mentioned Chekhov's gun a lot in this movie, and it's just like, do some setup, my dude. <laughs> oh, funny that you said that. I have a tab open in Chrome right now about <laughs> Chekhov's gun because I was just going to bring it up. <laughs> Only this one was ac- about a real, actual gun that's in this movie, <laughs> and oh I, yeah, right. So he has a gun, and he even like there's a lot of buildup to this gun. He yeah, gets he buys it. Bullets. It's a scene where he buys bullets for it. Uh, has it multiple times. Now, I guess the rule that it has to be fired is kind of like. I think it should be still the case. He should at least shot something. You know, the ceiling. Nicholas <laughs> Hole. Nicholas Hole. I don't know. But that dumb I just kid. Thought, yeah, that dumb kid <laughs> peed on him and then shot him. <laughs> That's terrible. Uh, but, yeah, I just found it funny that they had a gun and then just didn't shoot it. And yeah. that's fine. That's I guess that's fine. I mean, fine. This, this, for this movie, it makes... It works more of the um, Hitchcock saying that, like, suspense isn't, like, showing two people sitting at a table and then a bomb going off. It's showing a bomb that has a timer and then cutting to the people sitting at the table right above the bomb, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the gun is the, you know, metaphorical bomb in this movie where you're kind of expecting it. You know, and it does. Uh, the movie does make notes to always, like, completely showing the gun that he's carrying it around in his like little briefcase yeah. for the entire day. Yeah, you're basically just right. pleading with him, like, yeah, knowing he can't hear him. you, just being like, "Don't do it! Don't do it!" Like the whole movie. I, <laughs> oh, that yeah, yeah. that right. tension is is really, really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. Anything else um, you guys have for this movie? Otherwise, I say we get into some final thoughts. No, let's do it. Final thoughts sound good. Okay. 
Um, I'll kick it off. Uh, for every movie, we give Julian Moore a rating of one to five Julians. Uh, for this movie, I'm going to give this a three out of five Julians. Um, I think it was a pretty good movie. It's kind of it's worthwhile, and Colin Firth is pretty incredible in this movie. I think his awards and nominations are very well deserved. I think Julia Moore is incredible in the like, you know, very short scene. Um, I just, I mean, I do just wish that there was more of her. I, I mean, mm-hmm. maybe have cut, cut out that rando scene with um, that dude at the convenience store and maybe replace that with Julia Moore. But mm. yeah, I thought she was, incredible in this movie her character is electric and um the chemistry she shares with colin firth is pretty incredible so we definitely needed like five or ten more minutes of her putting on makeup <laughs> that too yeah. that too <laughs> and she has that great like vagina joke where she's like <laughs> that's true if i, I stood it. on my head i'd be a natural brunette with good breath <laughs> and i was like damn it's hardcore uh neil what are your final thoughts? Absolutely. Um, I would probably give this a three and a half Julians uh, out of five Julians. Um, I think overall, like the cast is really, really good. Even like down to like the, the supporting cast to the nth degree. So I think it was very well cast, very well performed. Um, other than it being a little, uh, a little artsy at times and a bit, bit overstretched um it's still very good i'd give it a i definitely watch it uh julian moore is very good in it for some reason like her performance in this made her think like every movie she's been in she's always like this disheveled used to be wife kind of character <laughs> but, but like uh, uh she does it really well so uh props to her uh she's just very good uh i yeah three and a half out of five is what i'm getting yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna double up on that one and say three and a half uh, Julians because while I did really enjoy the film, I it is one that's like that trips over itself several times and um, it, the the actors in it are doing a better job than the director or screenwriter, so I it's hard for me to say that I'd really recommend it to a whole lot of people other than like, I don't know if you just have, if you're a big Colin Firth fan, I think this is definitely one of his best performances. Um, Mm. or if you just have like a, an interest in like period dramas with, um, I don't know. Or if you have, you're invested in, you know, minority culture, Depictions. I, I think there's some interesting stuff there, but yeah, ultimately, um, it. I have so little time to watch movies anymore that I doubt I'll ever take the time to watch this one again. But I'm mm-hmm. I'm glad I watched it. it. It was a thoroughly enjoyable movie um, that just has a few few little moments where it, it could have been improved. I think. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, that is it for. Um a single man let's get into some recommendations um so neil do you got a recommendation for us i sure do this recommendation 
is more or less what I've been watching my wife play. Uh, she has been playing the game Detroit Become Human. Uh, it's for the PS4, and it's one of those games by uh, Quantic Dream. Uh, if you're not familiar with this one, Heavy Rain is their other like massively popular one, and then like uh, Between Two Souls, I think, is the other one. Um, they're like really just story-driven, like choice-based. Uh, decision-making games and this one in particular is like in the right specific setting that's really interesting to me like I played most of Heavy Rain uh, and thought it was pretty good but like I'm not a huge fan into these types of games but like I might actually pick up playing this one after my wife is finished with it Um, it pretty much takes place in the future Uh, there's three different androids Uh, it's built around like uh, kind of like the iRobot slash um, Blade Runner type thing where there's like androids that perform tasks for humans and it's them finding out like, hey, maybe we don't have to be slaves, you know, that kind of that kind of trope. And it plays off really well because it has three different points of view and they're all radically different. And they're it's awesome because they really know how to weave a story into one another. Um, all the characters actually end up making kind of interweaving at the end and it's just and it can be as a ton of different ways like there are so many different options that can go into how this will all wind up in the end and that's where like the the studio kind of has its 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 strength in it um you just kind of have to be in the gameplay where it's kind of like a quick time event game that has some uh, you know, um, interactive elements with it, but it's just, it's a fascinating story. Like the character acting in it is well done. It's all like facial recognition captured and it's, um, it's all really well done. Um, but yeah, just the setting, the aesthetic is all really good. And one of my favorite things is that the actor Clancy Brown, who, if you don't know him is like, a from like starship troopers and like you've seen, I know you've seen him a million times. Um, he's one of like the main police chiefs. That's like, I don't know if I trust these androids, but, and it looks just like Clancy Brown. So it's, it's fantastic. Uh, so I highly recommend it. If you're into these big story driven games like this, um, it's a pretty fascinating uh, story and uh, it's really good. So I think I'm gonna pick it up after my wife's finished. But it's it's Detroit Become Human, and I think it's only like twenty bucks for like PlayStation. So. Man, yeah. Cool. Speaking of uh, artsy fartsy pretentiousness, if you want some of that, play a Quantic Dream game. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, oh, that's yeah. actually kind of oh, yeah. true. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I've played uh, Heavy Rain, and I while I did not, I wouldn't say I liked that game. There's they're one of those developers that is doing things that no one else is doing and you have to give them props just for that. Yeah. So, yeah. Most um, I am going to recommend uh, a software called Stencil. Uh, it's spelled S-T-E-N-C-Y-L. And this is a game development software that is intended for like very beginner level um, if you're toying with the idea of making video games this is actually where i learned the basics of programming back about six or seven years ago now um and 
I hadn't been using it for a really long time because I transitioned to using Unity as a game engine and teaching myself C Sharp, which is like an actual programming language. And so I'd never really thought I needed to go back to it or like check it out again. But I recently, a few months ago, signed up to teach a summer camp for like a week long summer camp for kids to teach game development. And I thought that this would be a great tool to get kids started in game development. So I thought, well, I better jump back in and refamiliarize myself with it a little bit. And uh, so they had a there's a game jam that Stencil is running right now from last weekend to this weekend. And so I've been working on a game in Stencil for about a week now. And I'm really enjoying it, actually. Like, I thought that I would be like frustrated and find it difficult to use because it's all like visual programming it's like lego blocks that you snap together to make your um your game objects do things and trigger reactions and stuff but i actually found it to be it's like one of those exercises where you um you come up with like really creative solutions because of the limitations you're given. So like I've designed a game around the limitations of stencil, which, um, so it's been really fun. I I'm enjoying it a lot and I'm looking forward to teaching kids how to use this software. Um, and it's great. Like if you've never programmed before, you can 100% make a game. Like you can make a straight up platformer Mario style game with like very, very little tutorials. Um, it, very easy to follow. Lots of good uh, reference documents and YouTube videos. So yeah, if you're interested at all in like just even learning like how what it takes to make a video game, if, even if you have no intention of making one yourself... Um, check it out. So it's Stencil, and that's S-T-E-N-C-Y-L. Uh, stencil.com is the place you can download it. It's free for web. Uh, you can export to like HTML5 games to embed in your browser. Uh, or if you do like a subscription, it can you can even export your games to like iOS or Android or um, Mac or Linux or whatever. So it's it's very versatile, and you can code too if you want to. I just haven't been using the code part. I'm just just using the, the visual programming blocks, but it's it's a lot of fun. So check it out. Cool, <clears throat> cool. That's awesome. Uh, I would like to recommend, and I'm kind of surprised that I haven't recommended this movie before on the show. I maybe talked about it, but. Uh, I would like to recommend the movie Your Name. Uh, this is the um, anime movie from a few years back. Uh, it's about um, it's about a guy and a girl who uh, body switch, <laughs> uh, basically. They just wake up one day and they have switched bodies and then at the end of the day they switch back and be very careful do not give away the twist because it's actually I'm, oh, okay. uh, it's a very good movie and I that that moment was pretty great yeah and yeah that's really like the first act of the movie and it does I won't spoil it it does become something much different um, so if you're not a fan of the body switching trope uh, it's very um, it doesn't overstay its welcome, let's say. 
but uh, yeah, this is an incredible movie, and it's it's really the movie is really about kind of like uh, weird, like the weird like destiny of like having someone else on this earth that you are like supposed to be with mm-hmm. um, that you're like supposed to live the rest of your life with and like how like the just like huge obstacles you have that you know that you have in your life that just like lead to you never meeting that person um, I think it's a really powerful movie and it's it's really um, it's fun and lovely and I think uh, this I think this movie got a lot of press because it was like one of the only anime movies that got a wide release um, but otherwise you can see it I mean I think you can find it almost everywhere I'm not sure if it's streaming anywhere but um, it's very it's very worthwhile um, I'd highly suggest uh, everyone go and watch it and the animation actually, is really wonderful yes oh, that's excellent this this is actually in my blu-ray pile of things to watch so i'm really excited now to get to that yeah. awesome yeah it's great yeah yeah watch it um the weird thing is uh, so i bought it uh digitally but i bought the i bought the japanese version so it's subtitled but there's but the the dubbed version is separate. It's a separate purchase, which I don't know if that's normal for um, anime movies or if they're just trying to make me double dip when I don't <laughs> want to read subtitles. <laughs> but uh, most f- uh, foreign movies have always had a uh, dub version or a subtitle version. Yeah. Um, it's weird. I watched the dubbed version, and I mean, it. I would say if you can stand subtitles, I feel like that's it is often a better way to watch some animated movies because mm-hmm. the the melodramatic style that a lot of the voice acting is done for these movies can turn people off. Um, so it's kind of just like oh, whatever yeah. flavor you'd prefer, I guess. Like it, there's a lot of like overacting in the voice acting that kind of mm-hmm. matches the way it's animated. But like, if that's too much for you, I would just read the subtitles of the the subtitled yeah. version. Yeah, I almost always prefer the just the um, the language that the movie was made in. Right. Um, I don't even. I'm not sure if I've seen the dubbed some. Animes are notorious for the dubbing job is not done well. Yeah. Either they don't get the best actors or like there's like syncing issues too with the animation. Um, but yeah, it's just anyways. For me, it's like there's so many shots of like the characters just making like guffaws and stuff. And they're just like, ah, yes. ah. and it's like, they, they do that even in the dubbed version with like the American accents. And it just like, it feels weird because that's not a thing. <laughs> like that's not a cultural thing that we do. Like there's a lot of affectations that <laughs> Japanese people do that like feels yeah. totally appropriate in their language. That just feels very strange when it's spoken in English. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think like Miyazaki is about the only one to kind of get some of the dubbing right, and yeah. I would say the majority of his films. Yeah, but. yeah. The Wind <laughs> Rises has an incredible um, American cast. Yeah, and it's done very well. But uh, yeah, so that's your name, 
uh, definitely go check it out. Um, also, if you're not an an, uh, so I do not like anime movies. Um, there's very few that I like, um, and then it's there. There's few. There is a very small amount that I like. I really like, and then it's basically all the rest of them. I just really hate. Yeah. So, if you're like me and you get turned off by anime, um, I think your name is an exception, and I definitely think you should check it out. Uh, all right, that is it for this episode of Credits Due. Um, in two weeks, uh, we're going to take a break from Julia Moore, and we're going to do an extra credits episode. Uh, these are the episodes that are usually in between seasons, and we'll just kind of talk about just some things on our mind. Um, maybe we'll read the Mueller report for you guys. <laughs> oh, no. It'll be a three-day-long podcast. <laughs> oh, great. So look out for that. Um, but until then, uh, Tyler, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Um, well, y- you can come knock on my door, but I don't want to tell you where I live. Uh, I You can find me on Twitter at Tyler Owen and uh, on my website where I make video games at randomseedgames.com. Uh, I don't have a video game website, but I, I am on that Twitter uh, at Dino Neilman. Check me out. I'm on, I'm on that Twitter, too, at Cron Master. That's C-R-O-G-H-A-N Master. You can follow the show um, at Credits Due Pod. And I hope you will uh, join us in two weeks when we'll be doing an extra credits episode. And uh, until then, remember, as always... Resolution 2, more smoking and more drinking, and screw it all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't really want to do either of those things more than I do right now. Correct, and Showtime sucks. <laughs> <laughs>